Welcome to Letters to Women, Exploring the Feminine Genius. Today's letter is a letter to the woman who made me, and I'll be interviewing my mom, Mary Meridian, and I get the chance to visit with her about discerning motherhood, spiritual motherhood, and how she lives out the feminine genius as a mom. My name is Mary, and as you said, I'm the mother of eight, and I have been thinking back as far as motherhood. I can't remember a time I didn't want to be a mother. I think I've always had a desire to have um, to be a wife and have children. I never set out to say I, I want to have eight. Um, we always just said we will take God with us, but we were always pleased when He sent us one more, more, and one more. Hmm. <clears throat> But I can't remember not ever wanting to be anything but a wife and a mother. When you guys got married, you've been married for 20, one year longer than me. So 23 years this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And you guys are celebrating an anniversary on Thursday? 28th. Oh, 28th. Oops, not the 25th. So good. That's good to know. The real reason that I asked that is so that I can know when to send (laughs) send the anniversary card. And now I know. Um, (laughs) Um. When you are like looking into like being a mom and like raising kids in the parenting process after you got married to dad, what did that discernment process look like for the discernment of children like within a marriage? Like, was it different for each kid? With eight, there's probably a lot to a lot of stories to tell. As far as being open to more, yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of both, yeah. Both of them. Okay. Well, we wanted to keep our children's space pretty close together because it thought that it would be very important for the siblings to be close to one another. Mm-hmm. I was raised with three siblings, and we were all pretty close in age. And same with your father, uh, siblings being close. So we thought that yeah. that was a gift that we could give to our children is to not only have siblings, but to have them in a close succession so that they would be able to be friends with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as parenting and how we shaped that, there were a lot of influences. I would say one of our bigger influences outside of family members who had children before us would have been the influence of the focus on the family, Dr. James Dobson, okay. and his advice on parenting. When you guys get to the point where you're like, okay, like, I know, like, for most of us, we're stair-step two years, and there's, like, a couple of, like, kids who are stair-step three years apart. And so, like, looking at that, like, when you guys discerned um, having kids as a couple and, like, growing your family, like, in the practical, like, like seeing kids, other families have kids, like, seeing Dr. Dobson and, and reading different vlogs and things like that, like, practically when you were, like, discerning that with dad, did it involve, like, a lot of prayer or a lot of, like, heart-to-heart conversations? And did do you find that, like, with, like, Kale and Liam and Sophie who are like later on in your marriage did you see like your marriage growing in that discernment process becoming deeper the longer that you guys are married I think when we decided to have children on uh, each one it was uh, something that God laid on our hearts mm-hmm. and maybe that was on both of us at the same time maybe it was on individuals and we would come together and pray about that mm-hmm. we always took into consideration was this really what God was calling us to and then it would be what does our situation look like in having another one as regards to where are the other ones in this lineup? Yeah. Is it financially uh, stable for us to have another one? Mm -hmm. Are we being um, good stewards by accepting another child? All of these were in consideration. Okay. But most of of the time, it felt like we'd look at each other and say, someone's missing. There's there's supposed to be another one. Okay. Open to having another one. That's so cool. That's really neat. I like how like 
I've been reading a lot about responsible parenthood um, and like the discernment process of having littles and like adding them to your family. And I really liked how you said that like the children who are already in your family have to be taken into consideration, not just like your marriage or your budget, but like the fact that you have a family here on earth and like um, really taking them into consideration. Like, would it be good for, you know, the kid, the kids that we already have to have another sibling? That's a really good point. It's a really good point. Um, would you say that like being a mom has changed you as a person? I've always kind of thought that uh, being a female would include the possibility of having children. Mm -hmm. Not that those that can't are less feminine. Yeah. In my mind, that was always hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And then I think about our blessed mother. I mean, the way way I associate with her is because she is a mother. Yeah. So... When I think about um, how has motherhood changed me, well, it's definitely made me less selfish. It's definitely put me on my knees in prayer more. And it's definitely made my marriage have to be more of a teamwork mm-hmm. than just trying to decide things on my own. Now, sometimes there are little things you decide on your own, just like little daily, what do we have for lunch? Yeah. But when bigger things come, it really strengthens a marriage because you're taking someone else into account on a decision that's going to affect the whole family. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. What well, was like, so I was the firstborn and I remember you telling me this story. I don't remember doing this, um, but like sticking my mouth under the door when you would shut the door at night and like screaming, like, let me out. Like, I want to, I want to, I don't want to go to bed yet. Like yes. when moments, and I know that that I was not the only like kid who had those moments where it was just like freak out moments or tantrums or like there was times growing up where we like dad took some of the kids to like an early mass and you took some of us to like a later mass because we couldn't go to church as a family because some of our kids were kind of rowdy. Um, were there moments of like through motherhood where you're like, what am I doing? Like this is really hard or I didn't expect it to be this hard. And like, what's been that most, the most challenging moment for you as a mom? I think that you'd be fooling yourself to set out and think that it's going to be all roses. And so, yeah, yeah, there's definitely challenging moments throughout motherhood. Ones that you couldn't even imagine, whether it's trying to get a toddler to stay in their bed <laughs> or potty training or anything like yeah. that. And the interesting part is that you think you got it down and then comes another child. And <laughs> totally are different. And you, everything you've learned at work just doesn't need anymore. So I think that... I've gotten older. I've relaxed more, which mm-hmm. has been a benefit that there are there are battles that just aren't really worth it. Yeah. And so if I can find the battles that are worth it and make that priority on those and then let go of some of those little things and learn that I don't have to control everything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some things can just happen and I just deal with the fallout. And that's part of learning with parenthood. Sometimes it's picking up pieces. Yeah. So, yep, that makes a lot of sense. You kind of learn with age. You're not, unfortunately, given those with the first child. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I remember like um, going to mass, like when I was in college, I would usually go to mass at the campus center. And on the weekends, I, and one weekend, I went to mass with you guys. And Sophie was like wandering around the pew. She's our littlest. She just turned five last month. Um, and like wandering around the pew and like and how much more relaxed and laid back you were like, I wish I had had the laid back, relaxed yeah. Mary. <laughs> I was taken out. In the- <laughs> I wish it had been that way too, but really that only comes with age and just yeah. really knowing that you, you can't do it all mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you have to just not necessarily worry about what 
Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so is thinking about in the pew next to you, as long as they aren't being so disturbed. Yeah. Or can't, can't concentrate. Just, you can't please everybody who's got parent advice because True. they contradict each other sometimes. Yeah. And you have to do what's right for you and the child you're raising. Yeah. When you were in like the parenting process, you mentioned Dr. Dobson, but were there any other resources that you really tapped into like with like kids like one through four when you were still, you know, figuring parenting out? Were there any other resources, like other moms that you tapped into growing as your family grew? As far as any kind of written mm-hmm. or media type resources, really focused on the family was the only one. But then I did have um, an older sister who was really a resource to, not only in her example, but just to hit and say, hey, what, do you, what did you do when this happened? Mm-hmm. Of course, I had my mom too, and it was an excellent resource. Yeah. So other than that, I, you know, we didn't have like, Facebook and things like that, where we could mm. throw out, I'm going crazy. Does anybody got any idea? <laughs> true, true. But just we had family close, and then I had dad's mom, and she was able to when she was around, she was able to give some advice too. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. If if you were talking to like a woman who is not a mother yet, if she's coming to you and saying, "I want to be a mother eventually, but I know that that's not where I'm at right now," so how can I prepare for that with where I'm at in my life currently? Do you have any advice for someone who'd be in that situation? I think there's a lot of things that you can do for preparing for motherhood before you are in that situation. Mm-hmm. Even as they, as young as oh, 10 or 12 years old, if you feel like you have been called to be a mother, it's at those times that you need to practice self-service. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so can you serve? Well, if you're in a family and you have siblings, you practice on your siblings. Mm-hmm. And you can also practice being self-serving to your parents or to friends and neighbors, because really I think mothering is a lot about giving of yourself mm-hmm. and not necessarily expecting anything in return. Yeah. It's all another thing that you can do to prepare for being a mother is going to be, uh, sadly enough, a lot of housework. And so you have to <laughs> learn how to do laundry. True. The toilet. You can learn how to dictate to do those things when children come along. But you so that's why you had eight of us. <laughs> Exactly. I've cleaned the toilet many years. Uh, another thing you need to do is um, learn how to budget and mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. a spender on your money for uh, being able to save where you need to save or cut coupons when it's necessary or look for that special ad and um, cooking. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. All these things would help prepare you for motherhood mm-hmm. and on the bonus, they help to prepare you for being an adult <laughs> and a so yeah true true yeah that's a good point um when john paul ii talks about like spiritual motherhood like how have you seen spiritual motherhood be a part of like your biological motherhood too i think that from the get-go and having children it's always been a relationship with your father myself the children and god mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we always at the, the beginning of of life and and knowing that the baby was conceived have dedicated that child to God and have prayed from the start that he would always be a part of the child's life. Then as far as spiritual motherhood, uh, as a mother, I am the primary teacher to my children and their faith. Yeah. So that, that incorporates a lot. That incorporates everything from like an awareness of who God is Mm -hmm. to what does your faith mean um, to learning your prayers and then just living out your faith on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that makes sense. When you were talking about like how you're the primary teacher and like I think growing up like I really appreciated how much our family 
was very much like a domestic church. And I think the like we had a, a unique experience too because you homeschooled us. Can you talk a little bit more about like how did you and dad decide to homeschool us and homeschool all of us? And how has that changed? Like how like your relationship with your kids as a mom and then also like how has, did homeschooling impact like your relationship between like you and dad as a husband and wife too? Okay, I think that when we first were married and had you uh, and your next sister, mm-hmm. there was no uh, any interest at all in homeschooling mm-hmm. until I saw my older sister, Carol, and what she chose to do homeschooling. I saw the closeness that it provided for her and her daughter, mm-hmm. and I had a strong desire to have that same closeness. Like, mm-hmm. so one of the big reasons we wanted to homeschool and your father was always uh, very supportive in that, even though he never had seen any, any of that taken place either. Yeah. So it's a new venture for both of us, but we decided that the most important thing that we were to be as parents was to pass on the faith. And we knew that the situations that were offered out there in our schooling, it was not going to be acceptable for what level we wanted you guys to practice your faith. Okay. So that was obviously the first reason, is we needed to pass on that faith and make sure you were fully grounded in who you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. The The biggest downfall, I think, in homeschooling has always been I felt like I was not educated enough, even though I have an education degree, uh-huh. in certain, certain subjects. And so there were many years that I, and tears where I thought, what am I doing? I can't yeah. provide the, this type of schooling that my children need. But then... It was always your father who quickly came back to remind me, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. We're not doing it because you're teaching them algebra or you're teaching them geometry. Mm-hmm. We're doing this because we're teaching them who they are in relationship to God. Yeah. And what we're really wanting to do is educate our children to get to heaven, mm-hmm. not to be a biochemist or an astronaut or anything like that, but to get to heaven. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think with so many resources that there are for like homeschooling now, I remember when we first started homeschooling. Well, I don't remember it super well because I never was in like a traditional classroom. Like we, I was homeschooled K through 12. And so, but I remember when we first started out, it wasn't as popular as it is today. And so like, I remember going to the grocery store and like having to explain like, no, I'm homeschooled. Like I'm not skipping school. And, um, but it's been really neat to see that like um, transform and see that transformation through like even I saw a difference even when I was in high school so that's really neat too absolutely I think over the years it was kind of like my parenting technique I was mm-hmm. had feel like I was more in control of the situation with homeschooling so I would barely even let you out yep it would have time for like 15 minutes recess that's all you get yep are you outside <laughs> yep and now I don't have an issue with that so much not that I let my children run around during the whole school day mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I feel and I've educated my neighbors that we are homeschooling, and if they have any questions, they surely can come and ask this, or just speak to my child. I think that they would be educated enough to hold a conversation with them and explain what that is. Yeah, I've already got my school done, even though it's 10 in the morning. It's way more accepted, and I feel a lot more relaxed in taking my kids out to run errands than yeah. I did, say, when you were little. Yeah, I think it's like a confidence that comes with time, too. Kind of like you were saying with being a mom, like you have you know, a couple years under your belt and you're more confident because of what you've been through and like just the life experience that you've been through with all of us kids too. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, 
okay kind of switching into like more of the feminine genius like if you were if someone were to ask you like specifically as a mother like how do you live out the feminine genius in your life what what would your response be I think my femininity shines a lot because I have a great counterpart in masculinity with your father. Mm. So what I find is that living my feminine genius is easier because we start daily in prayer. Mm -hmm. We hold each other up in our masculinity and our femininity. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? That means that I praise him for providing for my family and he praises me for my softness and he really doesn't know how hard I can be sometimes but (laughs) um, for choosing to say yes to a mothering heart Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to be like we've said many many times that the moms are the heart of the home the dads are the head of the home Mm -hmm. and so for being the heart and so as a mother what does my feminine genius look like well it might honestly look like scrubbing the floors yeah it might look like teaching math um these things may not to some people seem like a feminine genius but for me it's all encompassed in what i accepted as my vocation as a mother and as a teacher and so just daily living out what i can and maybe it's you know when i have to approach teaching say differently than over the years when you were sent to your dad because i needed help yeah you would sometimes come back and say yeah we got the answer but dad teaches different than you do Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't necessarily something you could 100 percent put your finger on but you knew mom was different yeah and that was the femininity that i brought to that to that subject and i also think that throughout the day one way i like to um experience my femininity with my children is just the closeness of it mm-hmm. if it's physical touch mm-hmm. i know one thing that i have done ever since you were little was just had time where we'd sit together and read yeah and with the those small ones just piling on my lap and as you grew bigger i often mourned the fact that oh so-and-so doesn't want to come listen to the picture oh or so-and-so just doesn't feel comfortable sitting on my lap anymore well yeah. it was kind of weird when you're old come on See? chloe you're 12 years old you can still fit <laughs> At the same time, that's one of the things that um, even hanging off of me, which I think some people look at and say, gosh, that just, that, doesn't that bother you? Like mm-hmm. when one of them's on your back and one of them's on your lap and one of them's hanging on your foot. <laughs> and for me, no, that's absolutely, that's living out my femininity because my children feel comfortable being close to the mother. That's so cool. That makes a lot of sense kind of touching back on the spiritual side of it how do you think motherhood has changed your prayer life and as you have gotten more kids and like our family has grown bigger do you have any tips for people on like how to balance out littles and a prayer life when it gets crazy or like when you want to incorporate you know prayer into your family but I know we had a lot of times growing up where you know half of us would be like wandering around screaming in the rosary like do you have any tips for that kind of stage of life yeah so okay definitely my faith life has changed over the years and obviously like I said before you find yourself having more prayer petitions because you're adding little to the group and there's always something in their life that needs prayers mm-hmm. so that is one is an increase in what I needed to pray for yeah. then also I think there again being the primary teacher to the faith there was this 
urgency to keep a schedule of certain prayers and actions. And, and yes, we start each meal with a sign of the cross. And yes, we don't go to bed until we bless each other with holy water. Mm -hmm. Just little things that we thought were important to pass on. Yeah. And sometimes there are days you just don't feel like it, but you children are always, always my inspiration of whether I felt like praying a rosary or not. I did it because I wanted you guys to see this was important. And there are times that you don't feel like it, but it's time just to stop everything else and tune into God. And so like even with prayers and praying the rosary i remember many times throughout the years going to confession and and almost breaking down in confession to the priest and saying i just we're just a circuit i know we can't we've not honoring god when we do this because Mm -hmm. it's just a circuit in the rosary time yeah and i had a priest that once told me that that is what your prayers mean the most to god Mm -hmm. because despite the fact that they're a circus despite the fact that you are distracted. You keep doing it. Yeah. So it's like you still are going to God and saying, hey, I'm here. I'm showing up. I might not be giving you what I think is going to look the best, mm-hmm. but I'm making a sacrifice to be here with you. And so I, that mindset has kept me going through many, many rosaries that I feel like we play through and not pray through. True. But... I know that God still honors that. And so I also know there will be a season, and that's just what this is. It's a season. And there will be a season here before long where my prayer time will look very different with my children. Mm -hmm. And it will be more of a prayer time. And I think a part of me is actually going to mourn the loss of the fact that there's not just a little bit of circus craziness there. Yeah. Because that had become part of my prayer to yes, God. That's the normal. So yep. My circus craziness. <laughs> so I think that mothers who feel frustrated about teaching their prayers or having a set prayer time or anything like that, just keep on it and know that you are honoring God by each time you have to call somebody back and say, it's your turn to say the Hail Mary. And you say, hey, no, 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 just take the right hand for the sign of the cross, not the left hand. <laughs> Or anything like that, because each one of those actions are prayer itself that God takes as way more beauty than you actually realize that you are giving to him. Yeah, I remember like growing up um, and when we were little and then it's like we continue to have little siblings, like how many times they I feel like the Hail Mary was like rewritten. Like, that's not the way you pray it. Like, good try. Let's try it again. (laughs) Or like, okay, but you forgot, like, blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Let's say it again, like with the right words. (laughs) Like, (laughs) exactly. And a lot of things you don't need to, to go to a completion, if that makes sense. So maybe you only get three Hail Marys in. That's your rosary for the day. Yeah. You know, if it's beyond that and you're going to explode as a mother, mm-hmm. that's not what God wants. But if you can get in a couple of good Hail Marys, then you're already honoring him. And so you can do what you can and you start over again the next day. Yeah, I think there's such a beauty, too, in, like, realizing that, like, you can turn, like, your actions into prayers, too. Like, mm-hmm. I remember that quote from St. Teresa of Avila we were talking about. And I have it hanging in my kitchen right now, which is, like, God walks among the pots and pans. And how even if you could only get in three Hail Marys, like, from, like like a more memorized prayer like your spontaneous prayer with god can be like all right lord like i'm washing this pan because you know i'm burnt the macaroni and cheese and i'm just going to give it to you and this is going to be like my offering for you today and that's so cool absolutely absolutely i think that's important to realize that that does become your new prayer life and that has to be a conscious effort because otherwise you're just going into this 
crazy frustration of scraping the bottom of the pot from the macaroni and cheese, but yeah. if you realize that it can be something that you can offer up as a prayer, then it becomes very beautiful. When you look at your time as a mother, how important, especially as a mom who homeschools, like what would you say is the importance for like community among women, especially who are young moms too? I think it's extremely important, uh, especially as young moms, to have a group of like-minded women, um, either those that are in the trenches at the time or those that have been through the trenches, Mm -hmm. that you can find that support emotionally. I mean, husbands are great, but... (laughs) They're not women. (laughs) Yeah. There's just times when you need that emotional shoulder to Mm -hmm. say, I feel you, I know that's hard, Mm -hmm. or I've been there, have you tried this? Yeah. know that growing up we had a very close couple of families that I can't imagine homeschooling you guys and raising you all without those families because Mm -hmm. we became closer than a family during those years and God gave us that when we needed it now that it's changed I probably let a little bit of that go and I think I need to to get back into that that importance of having that community you're never an island where you think you've got it all on your own it's not that's when you'll fall yeah even if it's just, I mean, the great thing about like social media, even if there's not someone who's physically in the, the next house or down the street, having someone that you can go to and type in and say, I just need some prayers. Can you help me? God said, and you really believe it needs to be another one. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I remember we had, like we're just talking about masculine and feminine complementarity and how much it's true that men teach men how to be men and women, you know, can help women how learn how to be women and how, like you said, like there's a complementarity, but when you want to learn about like, this is how, you know, I handle this situation as a mom versus like, this is how I would have handled this situation as a dad. There's so much to be said for being able to sit down and like get something off your chest and have a feminine perspective to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So very good well thanks for your time thanks for putting up with all my bratty mess of a screaming toddler years and my bratty mess of a failure of an algebra learner years and that's true yeah i feel like the meridian kids don't have a good gene for math but hey we got other we got other shining characteristics other exactly we balance each other out so yep. all right well cool bean thanks so much for all you've done as a mom thanks so much y'all you still do as a mom to all the littles at home and so you're very appreciated (laughs) true we do make you who you are (laughs) all right i love you love you too thank you for listening please subscribe to the podcast tell other women in your life about this podcast and then also rate the podcast so it'll be easier to find on itunes Be sure to check out my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com, to look through the show notes for this episode. I posted some articles about spiritual motherhood, the importance of mom friendships, and how to pray as a family. I'll see you next time, and until then, be not afraid.